Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Dave Clay. It seems these days... <laughs> don't ever listen to anyone who starts a conversation out quite that way. It seems these days, it's always going to there and be a reference to something in the past. It's always going to be one of those reflections. And generally speaking, I'm not sure entirely. But when they say it in quite the intonation and inflection <laughs> that I did. It seems these days, you know, that probably whatever comes next is not going to be all that complimentary. As with contrast and then comparison with contrast, uh, what I'm about to say is not going to be too complimentary. I'm sure it was no different then than it is now. But when you face life and you get to that moment where you realize, okay, school is over, (laughs) adolescence, childhood has passed, childhood first, adolescence. Uh, We are all now young adults or adults, um, and we have to face the reality, if life is going to <laughs> work out for us, it's probably not going to be entirely subsidized. What do I mean by that? Alms. You know, we all have disabilities. I, I don't mean that taking anything away from individuals who have disabilities and they're in the label, um, the moniker of disability. I understand that we should be benefactors, assisting those, particularly those of us who either have made it, have faced that moment of accountability and realization that it's on us now. We've made it. We've arrived, so to speak, uh, days ahead of us are far less than the days behind us. So even if we were to lose it all tomorrow, uh, we'd still probably make it to the end. And by this point, even if we didn't, who cares? <laughs> we've, we've lived a pretty full life. We should help people, not only in terms of those that are disabled, but we should help people so that people who are facing the future... Don't become in any sort of way stigmatized or disabled. Not that there's a difference necessarily that should be made between physical, even psychological, emotional disabilities and then those individuals who think they can't make it. That could be a disability in and of itself. But rather than being subsidized entirely All the time, I'm willing to do my part. Take care of those that can't take care of themselves up to a certain extent. But I think even with physical disabilities and emotional disabilities, there's many people who are disabled and far more qualified than myself. Necessarily, since we all have disabilities, to be able to say, but thinking that you're disabled or... Allowing a disability to disable you entirely is probably not a good thing. And 
subsidizing giving alms is exactly sort of what the podcast is about today. At least that's where we're going to start. But it doesn't end there because those that do have disabilities and have the inclination to say such a thing as, well, just because I have a disability doesn't make me disabled, probably have come to a realization that if you start to disable yourself or as you would live with a disability and then in some sort of global way, it becomes part of your identity and you start to think of yourself in those definitions that go along with disability and that you need somebody to take care of you, (laughs) then you'll have that statement. These days, it seems even harder, more difficult than ever before to make it in the world. There's all kinds of reasons, maybe not too much different in that they were all challenges in the past as well as they're all challenges today, impediments, tribulations, and trials. But today we're really almost expecting alms. I'm going to go to Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. I'm going to start with... Verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his birth, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man who was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Verses 1 through 12, chapter 3 of the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Now what does this have to do with subsidies and alms, disabilities? It's a lot, right? Because this is exactly the subject matter of this passage. There is a man who is disabled. Should he be anything in a physical dimension, less than disabled? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do I even say about it? Because I don't want to take anything away from the fact that he had a physical disability. Nor the fact that his physical disability did receive or he received healing and did remit what's taken away from him. That is a literal occurrence. God did that <laughs> through Peter and John. And we're going to get to the sermon here in a moment that Peter preached about this. But I don't want to lose perspective simply because God healed him totally of his physical disability. Because though that is entirely possible and Jesus healed and even so in Old Testament there were healings and the leprosy that was removed and even the dead were raised in the Old Testament. The New Testament and especially with Jesus there were notable healings. And why would it not then be with Peter and John in the name of Jesus? And again, we're going to hear the sermon in a moment where Peter gives credit and acknowledging rightly so, not unabashedly, not with any hesitancy or reservation. It's Jesus that does this. I take nothing away, not only them from God, but Jesus who heals and I believe in the name of Jesus, there is healing today as there was in God in the Old Testament. That's not changed. And I believe, too, not only is there available healing for the physical bodies, including the emotional, psychological aspects of our maladies, our sickness, our disorders, and our diseases. But I think people in the name of Jesus can heal today. In the same way. I don't think that's changed. Old or New Testament. Past, present, or future. Back in the day. Seems like there is more today than ever before. No, it's the same. What's changed is our attitude toward that. Not necessarily that there hasn't been indications of that sort of subsidy. That, well, we'll just take care of you. Or, oh, I have a disability and thus I'm entitled to. Because I really didn't choose my disability. And in this case, it's one and the same. This person, the man who was lame, was lame from birth. We don't know that. It didn't result because of birth. We just, I would presume... That it was something he was born with. Maybe it did happen at the moment of his birth. But either way, he didn't really have much to say about that. You could do that with anything. <laughs> since we all have disabilities. And you could do that certainly even with the psychological and the material. That construct or is that of construct. That makes up the psychological dimensions of who we are. Not only the bodily psychological operations, emotional operations that might be impaired genetically. But in that same way, there could be an experience. Growing up with crazy sometimes makes you crazy. But we can all point and say, well, there's a disability. And I see that a lot in the work that I do. Individuals frequently come to me and 
I don't know that they're looking for a disability. I don't know that they understand the full implications of that. But if you explain to them why they're having the difficulties, you can point out the evidence, the factual nature of it. You can even help them understand a bit of the physiology that underlies it. And then if it is in the territory of identity or psychological construct, how they came to this particular condition and state, it's really easy then for them to not only justify their infirmities, their disability, but to live in them. You'll just have to make accommodations. And with accommodations come subsidies. We will have to just accept you have this and there really isn't anything you can do with it. It's just the way it is. Look at me. I've been blessed with so much more. And I should give to you what I have. And if I have such materially and I can help you out, why not? Open the door for people who are disabled, except that they might be offended. Because some people who are, again, disabled, who, who again, are disabled, really don't want too much help. But if they're in need, help them. Whatever their disability, physically or emotionally, psychologically. But one of the even more difficult things, I believe, (laughs) to rectify, that is then certainly within that domain of healing, is to tell somebody that they're really not as broken as they think they are. Especially when you're not broken. Or they look at you and say, well, you're not broken. I'm broken. How can you tell me that? Well, they don't know everything there is to know about me or you or anyone else who might then have some resource to be able to share or give material. Or as in this example of scripture, spiritually, except to say, you don't know really my life But you can't look at me and say I don't have a disability. After all, I'm human. And isn't that my ultimate disability? My iniquity and my sin. Nobody can take away that. And that iniquity and sin in human nature is the death of me and will be the death of you, except that you would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in the same way, accepting of the message of salvation, which is, it doesn't really matter materially what you're given. What matters is what you do with what you're given, even if it's a disability. Because once you start thinking, well, I've been victimized here. I didn't really have any say about this. You did this all before I even got here. I don't have half a chance. You owe me something. Alms. And maybe, again, it wasn't so awful. People seemingly so, in this passage of Scripture, at the gate beautiful, they were more than willing to give this gentleman alms. And, by the way, it all concludes with Solomon's porch where the pronouncement of judgment ultimately was made in matters concerning many, many things, probably all of which have to do with 
salvation, life or death in that salvation sort of way. Why do I say that? Because it's part of the legacy, the word, and then as with Old Testament, to cover you and sanctify you until you begin to really understand how to apply the word. You're subject to death, but it can cover you a bit. But when Jesus comes... When you see the testimony of overcoming <laughs> iniquity in human dimensions and then the sin, and certainly Jesus was, and uh, I'll talk about legacy. Jesus inherited the sins of the world. All those that started with Adam and, and will continue until he comes a second time. Me, you, and everyone else included. He overcame those. And even so, the added dimension of, not only the negativity, the doubt, the victimization, that mentality that I am broken, that I'm still, no matter how hard I try, my iniquity and sin nature leads me to a conclusion that I'm not going to make it out of this life alive. Therein, let's just go ahead and accept the pronouncement of my disability and ultimately so, my death. And let's just then all settle in let somebody else kind of pay me my dues. You owe me, that's righteousness. And certainly Solomon knew about that. And that was the porch, Solomon's porch. Where again, that judgment of the Old Testament and any attempts that we might have in sorting those type of things out, Solomon was wise. If... Anybody could have done it or did it, it would be him. And even so, in Old Testament sort of terms, it wasn't enough to save Solomon. Solomon was not Jesus. He was not the Christ. He was not the Messiah. He, he bore the weight in good way of the legacy, responsibility, accountability, accountability that goes along with knowing right from wrong. But he also bore the weight of knowing there is no way in human regard we could ever ascertain. Rightly so, meter out, ascertain, determine rightly how to meter out judgment and recompense. And probably the ultimate of all of that kind of thinking, thus saith the preacher, Ecclesiastes is vanity. <laughs> It'll only end in you wearing yourself out, falling into a further state of apostasy and depression. You could take in every bit of knowledge and try to apply that formula of rational, reasoned logic. And in the end, we're all going to die. And we all are disabled. And some of us more specific than others, but are universal and different, unique. But our universal, and this is quite specific to humankind, but not personality, not individual body, but as a cumulative body, all humans, is we're sinners by nature. We're caught up in this very trap of trying to sort it all out. And probably the smarter of us since 
one may or may not know Jesus in a human sort of way, the smarter of us, might just say, well, without knowledge of Christ or this sermon, again, that I'm going to read here in a moment, we just come to the conclusion, well, let's just do the best we can to try to get what's ours and you owe me and we'll take it to court and you know, we'll take it at different levels of judicial sort of jurisprudence is the word, application of the law, even up to the highest order of law, the Supreme Court, and should you even then outside of that more secular, civil sort of dimension, move it into the territory of religion, and then even so, godliness without Jesus... As the example, again, of overcoming the burden of all of this, as he did, suffering too our persecution because he didn't do it quite the way we thought he should. He didn't do it quite the way that the Hebrew people thought he should. He didn't do it in the tradition of the Old Testament. He didn't do it in the tradition of Solomon, who they perceived outside of Abraham and Moses to be the best examples. Of the promise of God fulfilled? The promise of God fulfilled is don't let anything in your flesh disable you. (laughs) The promise of God is flesh doesn't matter because in spirit there is no disability except that which you allow the devil to convince you that you are a victim of your circumstance and your humanity being the most prominent example of that. You will never make it out alive. Now you say, well, that's the beginning of salvation is to confess my sins and my sin nature. Yes, it is. Just don't expect alms. If I give, if you give to those who are in need, let it be out of the Holy Spirit. Let it be out of God and let it be equal to everyone. Don't just give it to this one or that one just because they sit at the gate or they don't sit at the gate. Beautiful. Just because they've gone before Solomon or they haven't. Just because he is or she is or they are somehow sanctioned. Oh, well, we'll put this, again, moniker. Well, they're blind, so we really need to... Oh, no, no, well, no, they're lame. Oh, no, no, well, no, they, they have gender identity disturbance. Well, well, no, no, they have depression, they have anxiety. It's all, those are all indications of iniquity and sin, which is disease. But disease doesn't kill you. Iniquity and sin kills you. Everybody is subject to death. But even so, disease as a part of, and I'm almost at times convinced that disease really doesn't apply. Disease is malady. Everybody is going to become infirmed somewhat, but it doesn't make you disabled. Maybe you could live right up until like Enoch. You could be translated. Elijah, go up as in a whirlwind of fire. Maybe you don't have to mount the transfiguration. (laughs) Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Maybe you don't have to be sick and decrepit. That's my word. Not applying it to you. I know that has such a negative stigma. My word applied to me, decrepit. 
disabled. I'm not decrepitly disabled. Even if my body doesn't cooperate with me, my body is not the source of my salvation. My body does not affect my spirit except that I would allow in my worst judgments the best of human appraisal and then with ascertain <laughs> I'm a messed up person and I've got no hope, no chance except that you would just take care of me and I just have to rely on your benevolence which once again I understand that's what Jesus calls us to but if we do this out of the right motive and spirit even as we do this, the expectation isn't to give to somebody just so that they simply could always sit at the gate beautiful. No. <laughs> because you're still confined by your disability. I'm not saying that the lame man, again, wasn't physically healed or that that was not important to his response. I'm just saying, we're going to read the sermon here in a moment. It was what Peter said, the interpretation, part A and part B of the sermon. What he said to the lame man, and then Peter's interpretation of that, or explanation for that, has nothing to do with him being lame or the fact that he was healed. It has everything to do with the fact that the material body doesn't matter when it's compared to salvation. Unless... You allow that to somehow be evidence of condemnation or that God doesn't love you or that simply because you were born with a particular infirmity, you're useless when it comes to the kingdom of God. That's the decrepit part. I know that not everybody thinks that way. I don't want to accuse everybody thinking that way. I did pay homage and do respect to those who are disabled. They know better than those of us who, in that physical way especially, understand. They understand more than even maybe we do. The infirmity is not to hold you back. The infirmity helps you realize how to overcome <laughs> the rest of the problems. The greater in the infirmity, but also the lesser. And what's the lesser but a greater? Because if you get caught up in that trap of being a victim, as I'm trying to describe it, you hold yourself back from life. So when Peter and John in, went up to the, the gate beautiful, and the man asked them for alms, I'm going to go to four. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, what John said, look on us. And the gentleman maybe didn't even bother to look. Maybe it's a sign of deference. Maybe it just goes along with all of that. Maybe others have put him into bondage. Maybe others had considered him disabled. But either way, he had bought into it. And his identity was construct of built upon his disability, not what he can do, but what he can do. That's the message. It wasn't what he can do. It was all about what he can't do. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. And little did he, I'm sure, realize what he's about to receive. No way. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Transactionally, so 
you're probably not going to go home with him. You're probably not going to take him to your house. You're probably not going to wash him. You're probably not going to clean him up. You're probably not going to sleep with him. You're not going to probably make him part of your family. Although you might, somebody might have. That is not beyond, I think, charity. Even so, maybe for those who don't know Jesus in the way that we as Christians know the message of Christ. But he was used to the silver and gold, and maybe that's part of it too. It's all transactional. You can't be saved by buying it. You can't be saved even if the commodity, the transaction is predicated upon, if I believe, then you're going to heal me, right? That's conditional. No, it's evidence that yes, God can heal. Jesus had the power to heal and healed, but that wasn't what that was for. It was so that those that received the healing would know that in spiritual terms, greater than the material transactional, greater than the mammon, the silver and gold, greater than any earthly construct, greater than our humanity, our iniquity and sin might even allow us to think of what we're capable of. Death, just like being lame... For this person, hold us back. It's not about silver and gold. <laughs> silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Did he? Yes. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. That was verse 7. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man who was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Jesus <laughs> was there that day. But he wasn't anymore there that day in physical dimension as Solomon, transactionally, materially. But he was there that day, even so as Solomon, but not to the same extent as Solomon again was not the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus was. And who was he operating through? None other than human vessels, Peter and John. What they had to offer this man at the gate beautiful, what the judgment spoke to, was, oh, you've missed the point. You think it's all about the physical material. It's not. Because if you make it about that, 
then in the end you're still going to die. Why? Because death isn't necessarily an indication of condemnation. Death is a normal human experience. You might have a disease. You might be genetically predisposed to an infirmity. You might have mental health concerns. You might have gender identity concerns. You might come from a poor home. You might come from impoverishment. Lack of. You might come from hunger and thirst. But in the end, it does not matter because in the end, hunger, food, is important for life, but it isn't eternal life. Except to say, you would finally get the message. This isn't about your physical life. It's about your eternal soul. And if God created you for any purpose, it wasn't to die. It was so that in your living, even with material dimension or within material dimension, and even in infirmed bodies, that the resurrected body was not going to be subject to such infirmity except... That you would allow that to hold you back from experiencing the fullness of not only the hope, the faith, the courage to wait upon the resurrected body, our day of redemption, our day of rising up to be with Christ, as was then Jesus there, as was then post day of Pentecost, as was then Peter delivering unto this man the power to overcome the material as they had learned in obvious, I think the word is abject, lesson. Just because Jesus isn't there physically doesn't mean he's not there. Actually, even as Jesus had told them in the very same upper room that they received that impartation to its fullest extent operationally of the Holy Spirit. I have to go or you're not going to have the power. I have to go. Not only am I preparing a place for you, but you'll receive power from on high that will change the place that you're in because it will change your paradigm. You will not only be measuring your life (laughs) by the standard of physical infirmities and righteousness and Old Testament mosaic law, but you will be living your life as in the fullness of the Abrahamic promise of not only a material promised land and inheritance, but an eternal promised land and inheritance. But you can enjoy that today. You don't have to wait to then. Solomon could pronounce judgment in material dimensions. But Solomon fell into apostasy. Solomon, though he prayed for virtue and character, wisdom, as Bathsheba instructed him to when she was talking about the virtuous woman, Solomon, though, didn't stay there, did not focus his thoughts upon that, did not allow the Holy Spirit any more room to grow him, to mature him, to bring him to a day of Pentecost encounter 
with the Holy Spirit, but also even before that to see the living Christ. We have the privilege of knowing the living Christ. You can say, well, that's Old Testament. No, Old Testament, but that was, well, it is Old Testament prophecy. But it's New Testament, as in back in the day, there was a time... Seems like it's more difficult today than ever. No, it, it could be. Because sin has progressed. The devil continues his work. We corrupt one another with this line of thinking. But Jesus, though historically we can read of him, we know the witness and testimony. But more than that, we have his Holy Spirit alive in us, which is a better testimony. The Old Testament can heal your lameness. It can help you overcome a lot of infirmities. Maybe literally in physical dimension. I know Jesus, again, miraculously healed. And that included physical healing for the body. But if there is physical healing for the body, I am sure that it ensues and proceeds out of the spiritual and the Holy Spirit and our alignment with the Holy Spirit. It's got nothing to do with transactional. It's got nothing to do with conditions. It's got nothing to do even with fulfillment of the Mosaic Law or even the two great commandments because we're not going to do that. Why? Not in the flesh entirely. Because you can't do that out of the flesh. Because you don't have the capability. But because of the gift of Jesus Christ, because in Christ we have the breath of God again given unto us, because in Christ, because we can see how Jesus changes people's lives, not only in historical, literary context, written down as with testimony, as with primary source witness, all those that have come and gone since Jesus continue to tell of Jesus all the way back to Jesus' physical body, physical manifestation, physical dimension, material life. We have more. We have the Holy Spirit alive in us today in ways that he has not been able to since God first created Adam and Eve and they hung out together in the garden. And as soon as the devil had his chance, he stole that from them and we're still trying to reclaim it. How did he steal it? By shifting it from a focus on life, even as your life and even as your struggles and your trials and tribulations might make it difficult, it doesn't infirm you. It doesn't hold you back. Mostly, if I could say it that way, in spiritual, human spiritual dimension when compared to physical disabilities, but entirely when it comes to Holy Spirit dimension. There's nothing that keeps you from leaping and jumping. And all those looking around and saying, what have you gotten into? Look at what you're doing. Think not that these that were drunk. That's with immediate to the day of Pentecost or on that first moment of really not only 
revival, evangelism, to the masses, Peter preached that most marvelous sermon and began with that. Don't think we're drunk. It's not new wine, but it is new wine. It's Holy Spirit. Now the sermon or the interpretation. Remember, verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Starting with verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why are you in such wonderment? We've been trying to show you. We've been living, breathing Jesus showed you. Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our power of or holiness of holiness or or holiness we had made this man walk? He was saying it's not me. It's not Peter and John. It wouldn't be anyone else except Jesus would be manifest alive within them. And what is his judgment? His judgment isn't unto death. His judgment is the words of life and whether or not you will receive them as with the living, breathing testimony of not only Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead in a resurrected body presented himself unto the disciples who then, (laughs) faith enough, To hold on until they receive the full impartation of not Jesus, but the fact in material dimension, because he will come again, but not yet, a second time. But the Holy Spirit, which has been there all along, but was grieved, hidden, denied manifestation, even to our awareness by the shroud of darkness, the temple veil is rent. You can go into the Holy of Holies. You can witness the mercy seat. You can see the cherubim. You can know what's in the ark. It's not only the promise, it's not only the Holy of Holies as in the temple. Okay, beautiful. Solomon's porch. It's in you. It's a transition. It's a transformation. It's a transfiguration. It's a translation from a physical to a spiritual, but the spiritual to the Holy Spirit, which is greater than any physical manifestation. It's not about your body being healed. It's not about you living forever in material. God's got better than this fallen body and nature. Corrupt. That will see corruption. Death. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus... Whom ye delivered up and denied, you turned away Jesus. He tried to give you the gift. Why did you kill him? And denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Even Pilate, with his wife's urging, knew this man was not guilty of any wrong. And certainly had he been, that was why Pilate was there. Did he represent any potential or would he have represented any potential to overthrow 
the material order, it, the, the kingdom was not to be material at that time. Even Pilate knew that. <laughs> you and your body, you're not God. You're not Jesus, except that Jesus is alive within you. Peter was acknowledging that. But he denied the Holy One and the just, capital J, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, one who celebrated not life, not especially eternal life, words of life, but the opposite. All the death, all that the devil will do is feed you death. The knowledge of good and evil and your judgment, if not anointed by the Holy Spirit, if not led and directed and guided of the Holy Spirit, will do nothing but in the end, again, confirm your greatest suspicion. You're just disabled. Just get somebody to subsidize the project while you're here. Give you what you deserve. Be a bit indignant. Maybe not. Maybe just be very humble. If you're going to be a victim, be the best victim in the world. Don't go around making people angry at you. They're not going to give you stuff. At least do it in the highest order of ways because really all of us have some residual of Holy Spirit in us. And really God has created us, two great commandments, to know that there is but one God, loving with all thy heart, soul, and spirit, and then love others as you love yourself. It's in us to do that. And killed the prince of life. Not death. Devil, death, Jesus, life. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Corruption, death. Tree of life, Jesus Christ, life. And should you miss the point. (laughs) And killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead. Of which we are witnesses. The man, the lame man at the gate, beautiful, he's a lesser version of nothing any greater or grander than Jesus Christ's resurrection. It's, it's important to see that, but it wasn't resurrection of the body, though Jesus did that. Jesus' body was not material, it was a resurrected body. Don't... <laughs> Hope or pin all your hopes on your body. It will fail you. (laughs) That gets me back to decrepit. Me, not you, me. And his name through faith, in his name, hath made this man strong. Of what physical countenance, demeanor? At least his legs. (laughs) So he could do all this joyful leaping and running around. Who could now walk, whereas afore he was lame? Literally so. I'm not trying to say, I would never say, I don't want to in any way take away from the physical healing. But it's about the, it is about the spiritual more than the physical. Whom ye see, or ye see, or you see, and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You see the outward and you wonder with amazement. Peter says, I know the inward. It's Jesus. 
Jesus has come alive in him. Jesus is now speaking to him. He now recognizes the Holy Spirit. He knows the breath of life is within him. He knows the Holy Spirit is alive in him. The lame man. Even those with infirmity. And what is, the, again, the greatest of infirmity is death. And now, brethren, I know that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. Peter says, I know. I was burdened by that same legacy. I know. I had a hard time shifting from Old Testament material reference. When I was a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13, therein the Apostle Paul. But still, love of God in Christ Jesus unto life. But those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets, who were saying, even as Jesus told them, wait 50 days of the day of Pentecost. It's going to happen. You just have to wait. Don't get ahead of the process. Wait. Because the sanctification will come. Wait. Submit unto the Holy Spirit already working on your behalf, alive within you. Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Experience the joy. Run around. Jump. Proclaim His name. Tell people about Him. But you think you've received something now. (laughs) Wait till the fullness of that comes and manifests Himself totally in you, which fortunately for us does not necessarily require 50 days, but there's a bit of sanctification even over the term and the time of our life, which God once more does not live in term of time. We do, but it's that constant work on our part of laying it all down, confessing our sins, confessing our primary sin or our primary of sin, iniquity. That causes us to doubt, to fear. The devil exploits and manipulates. Gets us thinking about nothing but, oh, it's still going to end. It's not going to really be any different. Oh, we've been victimized. It's never any better. Or even if you say, well, God sent Jesus. So, and so I can just wait till Jesus comes again. No, he sent Jesus so that you can overcome it now. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. They were experiencing the presence of the Lord, didn't even know it. The lame man experienced the presence of the Lord, didn't know it. Jesus, they were looking for Jesus in a material manifestation so much so that they missed the obviousness of Jesus in a physical, not a physical, but a spiritual dimension that was inhabiting the physical realm. And he shall send Jesus Christ who before was preached unto you. As if it wasn't already. Just receive it. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the age began. Again, they told, even Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is in Christ, of what you will become, not 
that the individual can't, but if you're waiting for the material healing, the material healing is because you're going to shed this body. That's part of the resurrection. You can't experience the resurrection. You can't experience the freedom from the corruption, except you would discard this body. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. I'm no different than you. Him shall ye hear in all things, whatever he shall say unto you. But now he's speaking of Jesus. And it shall come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. You stay a victim. You might get a little bit of the alms. There will always be Christianity in the world. We are salt and light. Sermon on the Mount. We're to salt the world. But we're not to save people because we can't. And what is the essence of salvation? That people come to Jesus and allow Jesus to save them, but they don't need so much entirely the same degree or measure of salting and the light. They become the salt and the light. And the time is now. The time was, in an immediate sort of way, a now moment for them But it's the same now moment we have now. Ye are the sons of the prophets as I speak this to you. And of the covenant which God made with our fathers saying unto Abraham. And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed unto you First God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Now, if there was an altar call sermon, that would have to be it. If there was an opportunity for you to receive the full impartation of the Holy Spirit in that way on the day of Pentecost. Something that is, by the way, again, already within you. But you just keep denying denying Him. This is your moment. <laughs> but what has this got to do with what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry? It has everything to do with overcoming whatever physical psychological, emotional, whatever disorder having been made known, having knowledge of presently, will one day come to know whatever it is that might otherwise end that state of being lost and iniquity of, unfortunately, not the tree of life, but the tree of knowledge and good and evil. All the disease will try to exalt itself And you will begin to just simply settle for the less and say, well, we'll just wait till Jesus comes again. He'll clean it all up, which I believe is true. The second coming of Christ has some aspect of that. But you are responsible now for being that to the world. 
just as Peter. And the moment that you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you allow the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in that way to you and through you, it changes everything. <laughs> My job in Christian counseling, specialized pastoral care, is to prepare. <laughs> it's the logistics. Gold and silver have I none, but such that I have I give unto you. I'm not going to give you an answer to your disorder and your disease except to say it has to start with accepting Jesus, A-C-C-E-P-T-I-N-G, as your Lord and Savior. Once that happens, then the other stuff helps, but it won't save you. Should you want to reach out to us, you can. 304-528-9220. You can find us at covenantsonline.com. Covenants, email, covenants.covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. You can also locate us on Facebook and YouTube at Covenants. And of course, (laughs) you can come back for the next podcast or the next edition of what is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, with yours truly, Dr. Michael David Clay. And until then, I want to just say thank you so much for joining us. And I want to just wish you the best in terms of not only material blessings, but the ultimate of blessings, Jesus Christ. Until we get a chance to meet again. Thanks. Thanks.